Welcome to the iPons Podcast, the collective voice representing residential property owners in Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Amanda Knight, and together we will discuss some of the challenges facing the residential housing industry, offer some insights, and more importantly, some practical solutions. On this episode of the iPons Podcast, we have two fantastic guests joining us, Andrew Warnica and Shauna Boyle. Andrew, born and raised in HRM, works for an international IT company. He's a proud husband, father, and foster parent, as well as a longtime basketball coach. Andrew decided to become a rental housing provider in 2007, at one point owning seven properties consisting of 17 units. He now owns three properties with eight units. With almost 20 years' experience under his belt as a small rental housing provider, Andrew has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the challenges of providing housing. I can't wait to hear what he has learned, what he wished he had known, and what he foresees with the current rent cap in place until 2025. Alongside Andrew today, we have Shauna Boyle. Shauna is a seasoned realtor with a tenure spanning over three decades in Greater Halifax. She brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table. As a fellow of the Real Estate Institute of Canada, Shauna's expertise extends beyond the realm of residential resale, her primary business focus. Beyond her professional role, Shauna is also personally invested in the rental housing market. Her journey as a rental housing provider began in 1997, and she currently owns four rental properties. Shauna's insights into the dynamics of the housing market are grounded in her extensive hands-on experience. Welcome to both of you. Let's get started. Great to see you guys, Shauna. How was your drive-in this morning? morning? It was pretty good. Yeah. And Andrew's joining us virtually on this podcast because it is a snowy Monday morning um, and some of us were a little bit more stranded than others. So how are you doing today, Andrew? Uh, my drive-in was fine. Yeah, no problems at all. I went down the stairs, took like 15 seconds. It was fine. No problem. Awesome. So we are today going to be talking about uh, the rent cap and how it has impacted specifically small rental housing providers in Nova Scotia. So just sort of as an aside, the 2% rent cap was put in place November of 2020 during COVID. In February of 2022, the 2% cap was extended to December of 2023. And then January 1st, the rent cap will increase from the 2% to 5% and remain in effect until December of 2025. So you both have owned properties for a number of years. What are some of the costs, Andrew, that you've seen um, remain fairly consistent over the past few years, but then dramatically increased, say, since COVID? One of the things that's been consistent, quite honestly, is our mortgage payments. Uh, in the last 15 years, interest rates have been really consistent, you know, a little bit down, a little bit up. You know, you pick a, a variable or a, a fix and there might be a little bit of a difference, but the payments have always been the same. So you kind of get that locked in. Insurance has increased since COVID. I don't think people realize until they're paying their bill and you just see it monthly, maybe you don't realize, but insurance is about double since COVID started. Maintenance has been fairly consistent because we tend to, you know, when you have a building for a long time, nothing comes as a surprise. Obviously, there are surprises that happen, mm -hmm. but you budget for the occasional, I have to call a plumber on a Sunday. Uh, that's just the way it is. I have to call you know, the exterminator for whatever reason. So those things are part of your budget and that that's fine. But really, uh, as soon as they implemented the rent cap, they did it for a reason. That's because inflation was really going crazy. And for us, the biggest you know, shock in the last couple of years has been the increase to the mortgage. 
payment. Absolutely. And Shauna, what are your thoughts on that? Things that have drastically changed over the past? Very much the same. I mean, you you do have to budget for incidentals and there are going to be surprises no matter how good your plan is. There are going to be storms and floods and things that happen that you cannot predict. But yeah, insurance seems to be about double. I'm very nervous considering this year's events as to where that's going to go locally next year. Absolutely. Um, and then now we're looking at a big property tax increase. Mm. Hmm? Um, which conveniently seems to be about double what the rent cap is. So it's making a little tighter to budget. Uh, maintenance, everything, any, any person you hire, um, any material you buy, whether it's a roof or a new, uh, some heating equipment or electrical supplies, like everything is more expensive right now. So the budgets that we had five years ago don't work. Now, specifically with regards to those mortgage payments and examples with that, Andrew, I know that you were recently interviewed for an article and you spoke specifically about a property that you've got. Your rent payments are quite low, um, but your other expenses have gone up substantially. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we have a, a property in Fairview. It's a triplex. The rent ranges between $850 and $960 for the three units. So your napkin math says you're only taking in $2,800, $2,900 a month. So, you know, five years ago, our mortgage payment was $1,400 a month. Then you have taxes, insurance, oil. We're not making millions on this property. Uh, to be honest, this is a property that the whole point was we are going to purchase it, not make a lot of money now over the course of time. Maybe you sell it later. Maybe you make some money. We've also had very consistent tenants. So when you have the same tenant in there all the time, you know, they're happy. You're happy with them. They don't ask for a lot and you feel bad about even thinking thinking of increasing the rent. So some of these tenants haven't had a rent increase in seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. But the expenses haven't been going up too much. And, you know, we have other properties, uh, you know, and we've done, you know, the occasional flip here and there. So maybe you get a little bit of cash from there and it balances itself out. But when our mortgage renewed last year, the mortgage payment itself, no property tax, no insurance was over $2,100 a month. So you add in property tax insurance, you're almost at the number already where you were before. Now, when you add on oil, we pay water for the entire building. We pay a little bit of power bill for the furnace room. And being a 60-year-old building, there is maintenance. So all of a sudden, you don't have to be an accountant to see, wow, they went from, you know, maybe they make $100 one month. Maybe we have a warm winter. They do a little bit better. Maybe they have a cold winter. Maybe you lose a little bit to now. If everything goes well in the course of a year, we probably are losing $1,000, $1,200 a month. So when you're a business, when you're a big, you know, uh, property owner with, with hundreds of buildings and hundreds of units, you have investors, you know, maybe you're able to float some of this a little bit better. When you only have a couple of properties, that money still has to come from somewhere. So that comes from, you know, we're a family business. It's either me or my dad has to write a check. Um, you know, many property owners, when they own these small buildings, you're not making a ton of money per unit. You're just kind of moving along and hoping over the course of time, you know, maybe you get to refinance it. Maybe the mortgage goes down, you get a great rate, you're able to sell it, you make some money that way. But where we are right now, we're in our third or fourth year of you know oil being high insurance being high not making money and then we hit this big uh this big mortgage number which everybody's going to see when they renew their mortgage uh in the next year or two if you've not done recently
recently. And it's a real huge you know, difference that somebody has to pay. And so the rent cap then being 2% now and 5% in January, if you're just for easy math here, if you're $900 a month, a 5% rent increase is $45 a month. That's right. And that in comparison to your utility bills or your heating costs, specifically your oil costs, is substantially less than what that has gone up over the past couple of years. Yes. And to put it in a bit of perspective, you know, these are three bedroom units, including heat and hot water across the street, the exact same building, meaning the floor plan is exactly the same. Those units are $2,500 a month because they've turned over at some point in the last few years. And the landlord said, well, this is the this is the going rate right now combined with this is what I have to charge to make money. So if the rent cap was 20% a year, the tenants here would be paying more, but still not anywhere near what they would be paying if they had to move. So that's the real problem I think we all have is maybe 2500 is too high. I, I would agree that's, that's a really expensive rent payment. I think on the other side, $950 is probably too low. And where, we could, where we're able to make that up is just not something that's available in the current climate. And I think that that is the biggest thing as well. And Shauna, feel free to chime in here for a second. But when we talk about percentages, because I've run into this as well, I had a unit for $561 a month. He should have been paying eight dollars $900 a month. When you talk percentages, it's an exorbitant amount, but it puts you still in under market rent. So Shauna, can you elaborate a little bit more on that in that percentage? Well, I think people don't really see the math. You think, well, there's a, a 2% rent cap or a 5% rent cap. And you think, okay, $5,000 rental payment, I'm going to go up to 1020 or I'm going to go up to 1050. But what you don't recognize is you've got a mortgage on your property. Maybe your mortgage is 300 or 500 or who knows, but you take a, an increase in your mortgage payment of let's say 4%, which is realistic right now on renewal. 4% on 500 grand is $20,000 a year. Divide that by 12 months and, and you figure out how you're going to get that back. There's no way in hell, excuse my language, but there is no way that any little 2%, 5% is going to come close to covering that. What's do, what this is doing is putting um, housing providers into, a, into a, a situation that they are subsidizing housing. And, and that's a problem. And that's why you're starting to see a, a lot of people just get up, getting out of the business. It was a very safe and reliable investment for years. I can't, I can't speak to other markets, but certainly in Halifax, there are small housing providers that are getting out of the business altogether. There are lots of people that have space that are afraid to rent it for the repercussions right now. Um, I, know, I know this is getting ahead of the rent cap, but um, you and I had touched on regulation and enforcement at residential tenancy. And I mean, it's all over Facebook right now. If it, you know, people can just move in and 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 not pay rent for seven months, and you know, wait for the hearings to happen, and maybe show up to the hearings, or maybe not show up to the hearings, and maybe appeal, and maybe drag it out. So you know, the 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 single parent who decides to invest in a a, a house with a basement apartment to try to supplement their income to get by and make ends meet now is stuck carrying somebody for eight months in their basement with no recourse. So now people who had space to share and would be willing to do that with somebody who is, you know, respectful, <laughs> um, they're scared and, they, and they don't want to share their space. So we've got less and less inventory. Um, so yeah. And this is without a doubt, the residential tenancies, we've got that rabbit hole and it is a broken, broken process and system as well. Now, Shauna, back to you and your profession as a real estate 
agent in Halifax. You've obviously dealt with a lot of people over your career who have purchased properties and are now getting out. So are they also getting out because of the rent cap? And then a lot of them ended up flipping over to Airbnbs um, because residential tenancies just was not protecting us. So some people sold, some people said, I'm going to switch up my business plan. It'll still allow me to uh, maintain some real estate holdings, have these investments for my future. Because these are entrepreneurial people. These are not you know anyways so okay so now we've got a flourishing airbnb uh industry and fewer and fewer rented housing spaces available every day mm-hmm. um it's it's just not getting far so how has the rent cap now impacted your clients now as of the past couple of years people who were long-term investors providers of housing it the safe bet is not there anymore housing costs are up interest rates are up property taxes are up insurance is up the idea of being able to buy a building and trust that um, the income that you could get from rent would support that building Mm -hmm. and that your responsibilities were really save the money come up with a down payment put your neck out with the bank to make sure you get a mortgage and and be responsible with your your suppliers as far as maintenance people Mm -hmm. take care of your building and you'd have a safe safe investment something that you'd be able to maybe get some retirement income down the road maybe have something to sell when you were older and not able to get you know earn the same income as you are when you're younger um so it was a safe bet that bet is not safe anymore so andrew in your introduction I see that you had originally seven properties and now you are down to three properties. So you've obviously downsized over the past few years. How or has the rent cap been a deciding factor with regards to you selling your properties? Yeah, there's there's two that we've sold, actually three that I sold within the last three years. And, and one of those, that's been the reason that we have been able to, in the last couple of years, kind of a- avoid getting into real trouble because we had a, a little bit of extra funds out of that after all our, our taxes and, and whatnot. So that's been kind of our cushion over the last little bit. But really... <laughs> It's the same issue that uh, Shauna just talked about. If if you can't make money and you have to, it's not just the risk of the tenants, but having to pay in. I think we all kind of accept, you know, if you own a small business of any sort, there's going to be months when things go well and there's going to be months when when things are a little bit dry. Uh, the little bit of dry you can handle, uh, especially when you pay heat, you know the winter's going to be tough, right? We get a bad winter that's super cold. Oil's not cheap. There's no cap on oil. It just goes up. So when I sell, what that means is those three affordable units, which are affordable at $900, and they're also affordable at $1,600, mm-hmm. they're gone. And they're never coming back. In the future, nobody is buying that building and saying, hey, you know what? The rates dropped a little bit. Everywhere in this neighborhood is 2,500. I'll just rent this for 1750. It's not happening anymore, right? Then market value takes over. What if I could charge three quarters of market value? It's still affordable housing. The tenants can still afford that. They could afford that number. I'm talking about places that have, you know, this family that's been there 20 years. The grandmother lives there. She's got a pension. The daughter lives there. She works and her son lives there. Okay. They could afford a little bit more, but I can't even ask them for that. I can't say, hey, why don't we make a deal? I'll hold on to the building. You guys all pay 1600 and everybody's happy because that's not legal. And I don't want to do something that's not legal, right? That'll come back and, and give everybody a problem. Yeah. But there needs to be a system. And I would even pay to apply. If there's not enough tenancy officers, I would pay $500 a unit to go in front of somebody and say, here's the problem. If you can't help me solve this problem, the house is gone. These three affordable units are gone. If you can help me, you know, work with me, work with the tenants, work with the expenses, work with, you know, the reality of what today is, then 
you're saving three affordable units and these families from having to go pay more and put that real stress on. And everybody who, who goes out and pays more, every tenant that moves out, that's more demand mm-hmm. on the system. Supply and demand, a vacant apartment. It's just name your price if you happen to have one right now. And I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up. And you aren't the first person, and I'm sure Shauna can speak to this as well, who has had units who have even gone to residential tenancies with the tenants to say, we're, you know, we're charging $800 a month. I need to charge 11 the tenant is fine paying 11 and I technically could get 16 and they're told nope because it exceeds the rent cap so then they have to sell the property now the tenant is out paying 25 the person sold the property and it's such a it's such a catch because I know I ran into that with a triplex that I as well owned in Truro I worked with two of the three tenants to try to find them housing and looked at what they ended up paying going geez, I would have charged you less and you could have stayed where you were and I wouldn't have had to sell the building. So Shauna, can you just sort of add? I'm in the same boat right now. Same boat. Um, Great tenants, long-time tenants. I would keep them till my dying day. Yep. They're respectful. They pay the rent on time. The, 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 the building is clean. They get along with each other. But I'm limited and being limited does not cover my costs. So what do we do? Become one of IPON's valued corporate sponsors. Sponsorship with IPONS has many benefits, including exposure, visibility, and year-round marketing activities at our events. With IPONS virtual and in-person events happening frequently and a growing membership with over 45,000 units under management, this is a great opportunity to have your products and services showcased. For more information, visit our website at ipons.ca forward slash sponsorship. So what is the solution? If, say, January 1st, it opened up in Nova Scotia, there's no rent cap, period. You can set your rents to what they need to be. Uh, with those tenants, in fact, when the rent cap first came out mm-hmm. and they, they they were on a fixed term lease because I didn't know exactly what was going on with pandemic and all that stuff. So anyways, uh, they wrote me a letter. It was a great letter just explaining how much they enjoyed being there mm-hmm. and they wanted to be there and they were concerned about where the rent might go and uh, rent cap and implications and all this. And they know I'm sinking on this building. Yep. Right. And they know that a $50 rent increase is not going to cut it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think even on that as well, when you both, because you both have mentioned this, and this is coming up with so many of rental housing providers right now, is renewing your mortgage. If your rates are substantially less than where they need to be to cover the new mortgage amount, you don't, with the new higher mortgage rates, you don't have money that you can pull out of those buildings that you can reinvest. If you need a roof, done and you're hoping to pull 10, 20, $30,000 out, you don't have the money in that building because the rents are so low and you won't qualify for the bank. Well, and don't forget, we actually had a freeze <laughs> for a couple of years where we had zero increases while the markets were increasing. So we're already behind and, and trying to catch up because of the pandemic. So, Shauna, what have you seen recently with your clients who did own properties, again, specifically as it relates to the rent cap? Um, are they maybe not the ones that have buildings? Because you can track those. Yep. We, we have this constant yep. debate and discussion. Well, what about the single family homes that are yep. being sold? We don't know if it was renters in them before or if it was owner occupied. So I've got 
Um, several clients that have bought sort of derelict properties over the years, bank repos, whatever, fixed them up, um, turned them into modest rentals, and that that business plan is almost evaporating right now. Um, they are. I've had a few of them that have uh, come up vacant, and there was a big debate as to whether they're going to be rented again or sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have been selling. Other people are just trying to hang on for a little bit longer because they really didn't want to sell these buildings at this stage in their life, um, and they can maybe still squeeze and try to make ends meet for another year or two. But uh, I, I think it's a short term right now. We'll switch gears a little bit here, still with regards to. To the rent cap, uh, it has come up numerous times that Prince Edward Island has a rent cap on turns. So like we said, we've got somebody who's renting a unit from you. They decide to move on. I actually currently have tenants who have purchased a home. Um, they are moving on. And in PEI, I wouldn't be able to increase my rent any more than the 2% uh, to the next tenant. So thoughts on that, if that happened in Nova Scotia, and I'll put my two cents in to start, um, simply to say that I know for myself, I had sold one property already, it would have resulted in two other properties being sold. The only reason why I'm able to maintain them is because the people did either buy a house, one of them moved out of province, so I could bring the rent up to market rent because they were unbelievably below market rent and I was covering all utilities. So I'll start with you, Andrew, on this with regards to your existing portfolio. If such a thing was implemented that now you could no longer increase your rent on your turns, what does that do to you? Well, that unit would then no longer be a rental unit. That's what would happen. Interesting. Um, so, and I'll, Shauna would have a better idea. I only know anecdotally when we were trying to sell this triplex, everybody who was interested was not somebody who was going to come in and rent the building. Mm-hmm. These were families coming from out of province who were going to move into one side, mm-hmm. move their parents into the other side, move their kids in the basement. Yeah. So I think that you know somebody might listen to this and say, oh, these landlords are complaining. If they sell the building, there's still going to be three units out there. What's the big deal? We have a province that has, what are we getting in? 20, 25,000 people a year move into the province. We build 2,500 units a year. But the people coming in, they're taking a building like this, and then that's off the market. If we had that exact system here, and I, right now, if one of these tenants moved out, I could fill it up. I would charge you $2,500 and I'd be back to my head above water and I'd be okay. If that rule was in place, as I would not even have the option to bring somebody in, I would just be saying, I'm going to sell it. It's the only option. Um, one of the properties that I sold maybe four years ago was a single family home. So I, when we moved out originally, I, I didn't sell my first home. I'd rented it out. And there was always a family living there. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID happened, they moved on. I sold the property and I sold it to somebody who moved from Edmonton. So during COVID, they wanted to come closer to home. So they sold their house in Edmonton for a lot of money, bought this small house here. Now that house, it's not on inventory anymore. There's no single family home in Hammond's Plains that a family could move into for at the time, 1250 a month wow. for a home on a lot, <laughs> <laughs> You know, paying their own utilities, uh, a nice three bedroom property. That That's not a rental anymore. Mm-hmm. I had created that stock when I moved out originally and built a house, but that stock is gone. So I can 100% tell you that if I had a, if the rent cap was tied to a unit like that and it was 5%, then in, I'll tell you one thing that you would see, and the government would like this, 
you would not see the statistic that the rent is increasing here more than any other time in the last 40 years Mm -hmm. because it wouldn't increase. So the government would say, well, this is a job well done. We've added this rule and now the rent has not gone up, except the rental supply would go down Yeah, because people would immediately be selling these buildings as soon as a place went vacant or before, which just pushes people onto the street and they'd be saying, I'm done. I'm saying they'd say, I'm going to sell this to somebody who maybe they worked in Atlanta, Canada or grew up in Atlanta, Canada, go to Upper Canada, go to Toronto, get a university degree. Maybe they have a house there. Then they come back, say, hey, I can I can move into a duplex here and I can rent the other side out or I can move into a duplex here and I can have my friends stay on the other side or my parents stay on the other side. And all of a sudden, the people who can't afford to buy a house, they now have to f- choose from this very, very expensive supply that's out there. So all the new buildings that would come out, if you were a new developer and you were setting your rent number and you knew that rent could only increase 2% a year forever, you are not selling that one, you're not setting that number at $1 less than the absolute maximum you could ever set it Mm -hmm. and get away with it. And the market demands that because we've got such a shortage of housing. Absolutely. I'd like to add a little bit um, in relation to this, just talking about the cap, just looking back 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. locally, the the whole city was peppered with, I'll call it crappy apartments. They had non-egress windows. They maybe didn't have good ventilation systems. Maybe their back doors weren't properly done or whatever, but it, it was basically like student housing, modest housing, low income, whatever people threw people in their basements and got Mm -hmm. a few extra hundred dollars to make ends meet and the city got really busy really wanted to up the ante on that and they didn't want these derelict suites anymore so now we have codes that are upping everything and the average apartment here you know when you see the cost like i think i saw twenty one hundred dollars is the average rent in halifax for a Mm -hmm. two-bedroom lately that wouldn't have happened because the average unit is way nicer than it used to be Mm -hmm. right our standards have gotten so high that they're unattainable for a lot of people so you know we talk about modest wage and living wage and you know we're just opening the pandora's box here really but the bottom line is if the bottom line is so high that the average person can't ever achieve it, Mm -hmm. then what are we doing? Now, so imagine you've got a magic wand and you're free to set the rent cap to whatever you feel it should be or eliminate it entirely. Where do you set it, Shauna? Goodbye. And I'll play devil's advocate with regards to that. What about the people who are who have a tenant in there paying $800 a month? I and think say, a lot of people would be safer because you'd see less housing providers exit the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, our inventory would be more secure. Uh, people would be willing to pay, you know, the people that have very low rents right now and understand that, you know, there's a pretty good chance their buildings are going to be sold and they're going to be homeless or on the street trying to scramble. There's people actually moving out of the city because they can't find anything. Yep. Right. So uh, I I think we're playing it's, you know, it's free market versus not free market. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things will always work out if you stop interfering. But as long as you want to play with this, then, you know, you're helping one at the expense of the other. Um, And right now, everybody is suffering in this situation. I don't care who you are. You're affected by by this housing crisis right now. Well, I think we've said that in numerous conversations. Housing impacts all of us. We either have a son or daughter. We've got an aging parent us ourselves, whether you own, you rent, we all are impacted by housing. So Andrew, same question for you. If you had a magic wand, what is our rent cap or does it exist? I would say that I would like to see the rent cap move on for the exact reasons that Shauna said, Mm -hmm. but I think you would see 
a massive adjustment. So I, I would be more in favor of some sort of staggering out of the cap. For instance, if I could set the number for these apartments that I have, I would set the number now $1,600, I, I don't need to be the 25. That, that's fine. However, it's reasonable for me to say, well, I need to be the 25 because for the last number of years, I've been losing money and I have to now make up for that. Mm -hmm. And I think most people would defer to let's try to make up for that while we have the opportunity. And, and I have to say, I, I've heard, I don't consider myself a bad landlord. Okay. And an example would be, you know, two Sundays ago, I was watching my kid play basketball. I got an email from a lady in this triplex. We've got a leak in the kitchen. And I called my plumber and he went and showed up in two hours and $600 later, the leak is fixed. But there are landlords who would take advantage of this. And I, and I recognize that. And I think that what you would probably see is if you drop the rent cap entirely day one is you would see a jump of people that are in big trouble. And lots of people are in trouble. Whenever I go to the grocery store, I'm, I'm shocked at the price of things. I, I really am. And I don't know how people who are on a tighter budget are managing to get through. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest a, a staggering um, reduction of the cap. So maybe if they said this year is going to be five, maybe they set it next year at uh, eight and then the year after they drop it. Or maybe they say it's going to be five and in the next two years, if you need to increase it more than that, we'll let you apply. And as long as you're within 90% of market rent, you can hit that number. Uh, maybe you can do it, but only with six months notice to your tenant so that they have time to prepare for this. Because I, I recognize how hard it would be for some of the people. Now, six months is much more than somebody would get if their landlord just sells the building. Mm -hmm. They might get six weeks. Yeah, but I, I do recognize the the tenants' pain uh, on on their side, and it's a problem for all of us. Um, but I I do recognize how that would really not give people any time um, to prepare themselves for this. And I think what's interesting and another challenge with regards to the rent cap, and again, reinforcing the complexity of housing is the rent cap applied to everyone, people who are paying $800 or $2,000 or $5,000 a month. The person paying $5,000 a month probably doesn't concern themselves with a 2 or a 5% rent increase or rent cap. And also on the flip side, for the people like yourself, Andrew, I can speak to it for myself and, and Shauna, same thing. I had places that were well, well below market rent. And I know roughly what my tenants can pay because we've had the conversation with regards to it. So percentage amount can kind of skew things as well because 100% rent increase on someone who's paying $500 a month. It's, it's both reasonable and it's impossible to believe, but it's also quite reasonable exactly. depending on where you I are. I also think exactly. um, just th that statement that I made about you know eliminating the rent cap, I know a lot of people would think, oh, she's going to double the rents. And that's not the case. What I want to be clear about here is I have valued the relationships that I've built with my good tenants. Yeah. And I've had lots of tenants over the years that have been there for 10 years with maybe hardly 50 bucks increased. And it's, it's more important. In fact, most of my rents have always been a little bit below fair market value because I felt that that get, got me a better quality of tenant. They appreciate it being there. They were more respectful of me. It just made it all easier to manage. If I could make ends meet on a little bit less than fair, things were good. Yeah. But now I'm blocked. Yeah. And it, it's not out of greed, it's out of security. Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to make ends meet. So if you've got, you know, taxes going up by 10.7% and you've got insurance doubling and you've got uh, all of these other expenses that are just not fixed, I, I, I would like to at least be able to 
budget that my income can be related to my expenses. So if I've got 10% increases this year, I should be able to get a 10% increase in my rent. Yep. At least be able to At least to that work. keeps me in the business and it keeps me providing housing to people. Exactly. People who don't want to move and who want to work with you to set that rent right. so they don't have to. Yeah. Go ahead, and Andrew. Just to add to what Shauna said, if you have a good tenant and you're a landlord, you probably have not been increasing their rent. You know, you appreciate this good customer, right? And if you're a good landlord, I think that they appreciate you. And what this rent cap has done is it's driving a wedge between good tenants and good landlords because oddly, most tenants understand. They're like, I, I mean, they're like, listen, I, I get it. Everything's more expensive. And, and I totally see with you with this building and the big numbers, I can see, I can see that you're hurting, but I'm not going to willingly pay you more. And I won't ask for more because it's not legal. But one of the things about the rent cap that I want to mention is the government has been very, um, they've been very direct in their words. And I think people are, are missing how direct they are because they've said the rent cap is only going to be here as long as there's a housing crisis. Well, the premier's also said that in they want to double the population in Nova Scotia in the next 25 years. So that means right now we have a million people living in a million units of some sort. Do we have plans to build a million more houses? Because you know what? If we did, we would still be short because we're still short houses. So to me, that sounds like the rent cap is here until the housing crisis is gone, which could be not one or two years away. It could be a decade away. And I tell you right now, if there is a government in 10 years in our province who is ruling and the rent cap's been here for 15 years, they are not removing it. The rent cap is here for good. That's what we have to understand. So knowing that, we have to be able to help the well under market you know, units stay under market units because that helps everybody to have these units that are not at the maximum price. So how do we do that? Well, just like we've been saying, we've got to find a way where we don't just look at a percentage, but we look at a dollar figure. A two-bedroom, including heat and hot water in downtown Halifax should cost more than a two-bedroom, including heat and hot water in Lower Sackville, should cost different than a two-bedroom, including heat and hot water in Truro or Yarmouth because the houses cost different, the mortgages are different. Most of the other stuff is similar, but obviously a house in Yarmouth costs different than a house on the peninsula. Um, and to tie those two rents that are, you know, five years ago, maybe they were both $1,000 uh, to the same increase when one expense has perhaps doubled, it, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, Shauna and Andrew. I appreciate you uh, chatting with me today on the podcast. That was great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the iPons podcast. We hope you found the discussion insightful and engaging. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Interested in learning more? Head to our website, ipons.ca, to sign up for our weekly newsletter, Multi-Res News, and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn, where we are consistently sharing news that affects rental housing providers in Nova Scotia. Until next time.